And welcome in, everybody, to Off of the Helmets, courtesy of DSP Media Productions. I'm Brady Tinker. Very thrilled to be here on this Friday afternoon with you. Got kind of a nice gray day with enough humidity to keep us from being too cold. And the Cowboys, my friends, are red hot. I seem to be cheering for this team, and I promise you I'm not. That's not what I'm supposed to do in the media business. But it is better for me, for DSP Media, for Brady Tinker, and everything that I do when the Cowboys are good. Economy's better. The world is better. People want to sponsor my shows. Everyone's happier, and it's the holiday season. How long has it been since we felt truly, truly like the Dallas Cowboys had a long playoff run in them? Last year, they won 12 games, but I didn't feel that way because Dak Prescott wasn't quite there. He's there now. So what do we got? A Sunday nighter coming up against the Indianapolis Colts. Not great for the nation, but good for our team. The Colts are 5-7-1 and one under the new coach, Jeff Saturday, temporary coach. They are 1-2, and two, but he has reinserted Matty Ice, Matt Ryan, potential Hall of Famer, back into quarterback. The problem is he's 37 years old and moves like he's 47 years old. He gets sacked more than any quarterback in the NFL Actually, that's not completely true. The Colts quarterbacks are sacked more than any quarterbacks in the NFL because Sam Ellinger threw 11 sacks into his two games. Gulp. Um, this is a stat padding fiesta potentially in front of us on Sunday night. Get something good to eat. Get some people around you and enjoy Sunday night football. Because here we come right now with Off of the Helmets, courtesy of DSP Media. So here we go. We're going to slow down a little bit, okay, because... We're getting over our skis, you and me, we in the fandom and in the media as well, because they've won a couple of games in a row. You didn't necessarily think because of 26 years worth of pain that they'd beat both Minnesota and the Giants. Somehow they'd find a way to screw that up, but they didn't. They are playing better and better. And almost singularly, the most important thing in the NFL is that you have a quarterback that has superstar type status and ability and that he's playing at the top of his game when the playoffs roll around. We're getting there with Dak Prescott. He no longer looks to me like a guy who's terrified to get tackled from the waist down. He looks like touch on his throws is fine. And really, maybe best of all, he is getting extraordinarily aggressive throwing the football down the field. And I know some of the interceptions may have set you off a little bit. What's he reading? What's he seeing? What's CD doing? That's stuff we need to work our way through at this point. And if you can continue winning games, all the better. So we're slowing down because of this. Dalvin Cook, Cowboys slowed him down. But let's be honest, Minnesota fell so far behind that they stopped letting Dalvin Cook run the ball. Still ran for roughly five yards a carry. Saquon Barkley last week at the Giants was bottled up. So was Daniel Jones. First time the Cowboys have bottled up a running or a versatile two-way quarterback all year. Now here comes Jonathan Taylor. So you're going to be able to, it's human nature, they're, they're going to be able to look at themselves and say, Dalvin Cook, Saquon Barkley, and Jonathan Taylor are three of the top five running backs in the NFL, if you can get past this week and do a good job against Jonathan Taylor, it's plenty to build on, both mentally and emotionally. The Colts run the football, and with Jeff Saturday back in at head coach, or back or in his head coach, he's old school. This guy was, you went at the line of scrimmage, et cetera, et cetera. That's who Jeff Saturday is. He was a really good player. It's the reason he stuck Matt Ryan back in, not because he sees a youthful young quarterback who's going to help them, but because he trusts his decision-making and the veteran nature of what he's doing. And the Colts only give up 20 points a game. So Matt, don't fuck it up. Well, in the last two games or three games since he Saturday put him back in, two touchdowns, one interception, lots of sacks, a couple of fumbles, but overall he's not screwing it up. Yes, they're one and two under Jeff Saturday, but all three games they played in a very close fashion. That's what they'll be looking to do Sunday night. 
The Colts run the ball at 4.6 yards a carry, does Jonathan Taylor. There, He was certainly number one, two, or three overall fantasy football pick this year because everybody thought the Colts were going to be good again. They liked their head coach. They play really good, hard-ass defense, and Matt Ryan's certainly going to be an upgrade from Carson Wentz, right? We all knew that, and I picked them to win their division. And now you're sitting here looking at four, seven, and one, and you're like, these guys suck. We're going to blow these guys out. Hardly anybody gets blown out in the NFL. The 40-3 victory against Minnesota was an outlier uh, and was a hell of a game and maybe the best game the Cowboys have played in three years. So that's not the norm. The norm is you win games in the NFL by five. That's really the norm. One-score games are the norm in the NFL week in and week out. Between three and six points is what happens for most NFL games. In the last three games, Jonathan Taylor has also been sort of reinserted of, hey, we forgot a little bit. We're a running football team. And you, Jonathan Taylor, are really good. You run between the tackles. You're patient. You're powerful. Uh, you're a hell of a player. In the last three games, 317 yards for Jonathan Taylor, 4.8 yards per carry. TD in each of the three games. TD, TD, TD. Jonathan Taylor back to being that fantasy guy that everybody wanted him to be. Last year, this guy had 1,800 yards. This is no fluke. He's really good. In 2020, he had 1,200 yards. He's good. And they're going to try to continue to test this Dallas Cowboys run defense. They will say they're not convinced. They will also do it because they don't want the statue that is Matt Ryan standing back there on third and eight. It's going to produce terrible results for them. The good news for the Cowboys is Matt Ryan is here. Carson Wentz is gone. Oh, whatever. Pick one. It doesn't make any difference. But Matt Ryan's a statue. He's 37 years old. It's going to be a lot of three-step drops, and they're going to try and get it out. There'll be batted passes. There'll be turnovers. Uh, he's going to do his best to stay away from Diggs, as he should. Uh, but Matt Ryan will turn the ball over. He turns it over more than once. So if he throws one pick, that could be a pick six, or he fumbles and somebody picks it up and scoops and scores, the Cowboys will cover in this game, and we'll get to that. If not, this game stays close. Matt Ryan has passed this year for 68% completions. Pretty good. 11 touchdowns, 10 INTs. He's been sacked 32 times in 10 games, throwing Ellinger's 11, and they've given up 43 sacks, has that offensive line, to a couple of quarterbacks that are just standing there. Your team will feast on quarterbacks that are just standing there. They'll try and hold them back by running the football, by throwing some screens and doing simple stuff that you've watched forever. Um, Oh, I was noticing, I, I forgot I had a note. Matt Ryan had a 39-yard run. I went in looking at his stats. I'm like, Matt Matt Ryan had a 39-yard run. I got to see this. And I watched it. And the other team is the Raiders, by the way. We're in man-to-man. -man. They turned around and were running the other direction, so nobody was looking at him. He got out, and he got about 20 yards down the field before anybody even got there. And the safety came up. He made an inside cut. And really, if he had any speed at all, he would have scored. Almost everybody would have scored. Maybe he and Tom Brady are the only two that wouldn't have. But I saw it, 39 yards. Mostly it was the Raiders, and mostly everybody's back was turned. I was surprised to see it, but it was kind of fun to watch. Jeff Saturday put him back in three games ago. He's given up eight sacks, one fumble, and one interception. He's played better. He likes to throw the ball to a young man named Michael Pittman, who was a really good wide receiver, who in watching him the last couple of games has obviously been frustrated because if Ryan's not going to throw picks, which Jeff Saturday's asked him to do, then what Michael Pittman's going to catch is a whole bunch of seven-yard passes, and that's what he's doing. He's averaging, Michael Pittman is, right around – nine yards a catch where in his career it's closer to 13. He has 20 catches in the last three games. This guy's a good player. 10 yards per catch. 
That's sad, and it's bothering him, and you can see it in his body language. He's a good dude, but this is frustrating. These years, especially when you think you're good. You remember how many of these years we've had? Injury here or there, something doesn't go quite right. It seems like it's not your year. These are long years. It's a long year for the Indianapolis Colts. But in 2021, Michael Pittman had seven touchdowns and 1,200 yards, averaged almost 13 yards per catch, and he was good. And that was with Carson Wentz. And it's Matt. I bet he couldn't imagine that it would get worse with Matt Ryan. But it has. So what do you get from the Colts' defense? Some of these are good, and, and some of these will cause you some pause. They are allowing nearly 70% completions. When Dak gets on a roll, he's a 70% passer. And he gets confidence as he passes the ball with fewer incompletions. They've only given up 13 touchdowns. That's not bad. That'll be right in about 12th in the NFL. Pretty good. Their run defense allows 3.9 yards per carry. Now, remember, the NFL, the entire NFL this year, is averaging the highest yards per carry that it has averaged in over 36 years. The NFL is rushing for almost 4.6 yards per carry. Everybody, whoever I turn around and hand the ball to in the NFL this year is getting 4.6 yards a carry. That's why your fantasy leagues are all jumbled up. That's why passing yards are down and huge games are down because everyone's playing nickel and dime. Everyone's backing up because of the past, and it is easier to run the football, and most people are doing it. Even Andy Reid's had to run the football more, and I promise you, he doesn't want to. The Colts' defense, 3.9 yards per carry. The Colts' offense scores 15.4 points per game. They're giving up 20. So that's 35. If you want to bet a little bit, uh, play a little bit, the over and under sitting here is 44 and a half on this game. I got 28 and we'll give them their 15. That's 43. I feel pretty decent about the under. The only way the Cowboys hit the over in this game is with a defensive touchdown. Maybe uh, your punt and kick returner takes one to the house. Turpin takes one to the house. Any of those things could send this game to an over. Otherwise, I have this game as a conservative, boring under on Sunday night that gets your team to nine and three. Pretty damn good. Short week for the Colts, by the way, who played Monday night against the Steelers, and they played pretty well. They battled till the very end in a physical game and lost to the Steelers. So it's been a short week for them, and now they are traveling to see us in Dallas. Lots of carries for Jonathan Taylor. The head coach, the Dallas Cowboys, Mike McCarthy, said, I imagine we'll see north of 20 carries from Jonathan Taylor. He's going to be ready. He says the number one thing we're going to do is make sure that we hold the edges right. But you're going to have to get some help in the middle because he's really good at running just right or left of the center and being patient. What Dak said today was really true. And, and these are all isms or whatever. But the records do not matter in week number 13. Everyone is tired. Everyone is established. Everyone has confidence. Uh, everyone is a little beat up. Uh, and this is an Indianapolis team that they will remind themselves and I will remind you everyone thought was going to be in the playoffs. Nobody thought Matt Ryan was going to be this bad. Nobody thought their head coach was going to get fired. It was supposed to be better than this, and it's been odd for them from the beginning. But if you watch the NFL, good teams are losing to what we think are bad teams left and right, and that hasn't stopped. Unpredictable things are happening. The Buccaneers are 5-6, and six, and they can't seem to get any better, yet they're still in first place in their division. Dak says records don't matter in week number 13. He also said we will not get caught up in records here. This is a fundamentally sound Indianapolis Colts team, especially on defense, giving up only 20, offense scoring only 15. Here are a couple of things that we also have going for us. Dan Quinn, remember, or you may not, coached Matt Ryan for five years in Atlanta. They damn near won a Super Bowl. 51, Super Bowl 51 was theirs. It was 28-3 to mid-third quarter against the hated Patriots, and they end up losing in a series of bad plays on the last crucial drive, 34-28. 
So Dan Quinn knows Matt Ryan very well, respects the crap out of him, and knows what his tendencies are, what his strengths and weaknesses are. And when he sees him on film, I'm sure that he is a little shocked uh, at what he's seeing, but we all end up getting old. 37 years old, having taken a ton of hits and a long career. He stood in that pocket over and over and over again for a long time, held it a tick longer to try and get somebody open and taken a ton of hits. The Colts offensive line, as we mentioned, has given up 43 sacks. The Cowboys defense has 45 sacks, number one in the NFL. If I was reminding Matt Ryan of anything, if I was Jeff Saturday, I would say we're going to run the ball a lot. Our defense is going to hold this Cowboys team to 23. Let's say that's what he's going to tell them. And Matt, when number 11 is on you, fall down. Do not let him strict sack you. Do not get knocked out of this game. Do not throw stupid interceptions. Do not panic. It's going to be a low-scoring game. Fall down. Old quarterbacks can fall down. Romo may have been in his best in his last two or three years when he began to fall down because he knew he was still dynamic enough to make the play on the next play and the team was still good enough. What you can't overcome, especially if you're in Annapolis, are turnovers. So we'll see how Matt does. I would think if you're betting, a Cowboys first half over is good. I feel like the Cowboys are really ready for what Indianapolis is going to bring. They are very fundamental, but the Cowboys have plenty of ways with this two-headed monster at running back to battle fundamental. They will make you begin to creep towards the line of scrimmage because they will pound you with Zeke. They will quick you with Pollard. I think Pollard, we've asked for this, is going to catch a few more balls. You get James Washington back. Most likely James Washington will suit up and play in this game. I don't know how much of this offense he really knows. He's been here for a long time. He hasn't played if he's studying, he should have this offense down backwards and forwards. We'll see. But James Washington adds to depth, adds depth to this wide receiver core that is getting better. Gallup looked finally slightly electric and like he was putting his foot down hard in the ground and using his hips and wasn't afraid of getting hurt last week. That's big because now you can also throw him the 50-50 ball down the left side where he likes to be. If the safety isn't there, let Michael Gallup have a chance to catch those balls. He won't let them get intercepted. C.D. Lamb and Dak seem to be more and more and more on the same page. I'm told they're spending a ton of time together. Dak is a really good teammate and a really likable guy. So he's not going to be in anybody's face. He's going to figure out how friend to friend, teammate to teammate, he can talk to C.D. about what he needs him to do on these choice routes when he's running against zones, et cetera, et cetera. And the number one thing he needs him to not do is be running a route and decide for himself this play ain't coming to me. That's what he needs him not to do. Injury updates. Linebacker Anthony Barr, who hasn't played in a couple of weeks, should return. To be honest with you, you're going to see some guys who've been limited this week. Uh, you're going to see, I don't know, six or eight guys I think I found uh, on the questionable list. Gallup has been sick, actually. Uh, Tank uh, is, has been questionable, but we know how banged up he is with two ankles and a knee. J. Ron Curse digs even a little bit questionable and limited this week. Uh, but all of those guys are going to play. Now, if you're looking for more good news, I got some more good news for you. Tyron Smith has been around the facility now for two weeks. We've seen him. Uh, won't surprise you to know that he looks physically really good. He ain't fat. He's never fat. Um, he's gotten older, but he ain't staying home eating Twinkies like I like. God, I love Twinkies. Uh, he looks good. And I think Tyron Smith will be active next week to practice. Now, whether or not he plays next week against Houston or not, I'm not sure about that. But he's in the 21-day window, I believe, starting next week. And Tyron Smith probably plays in the next two to three weeks, which is just great news. It gives you more depth. I think my anticipation would be... If he's 80% of the Tyron Smith that you and I know, he moves back to left tackle when he's ready. Um, let's see. 
the next three games is uh, Indy, Houston, Jacksonville. It will not surprise me if Tyron Smith travels to Florida and plays against Jacksonville. Tyler Smith will move into left guard. And right now, Jason Peters has looked as healthy and light on his feet use that term loosely, as he has all year. He's been a really good addition to this team, and he hasn't hardly played at all. But he is sharing his knowledge. He's an infectious personality. And the left side of this line, as we approach the last four or five weeks of the season, pointing at the December 24th game against Philadelphia, this offensive line could look really good. You may have heard Terrence Steele mispractice a couple days this week. True, all of that was personal. There's nothing wrong with Terrence Steele. So now let's talk about Odell Beckham. Odell Beckham is in New York today. If you're watching this um, on Friday with me, he is in New York today seeing the Giants. I don't think any of that has anything to do with anything in terms of preference or where he wants to go. People in his inner circle say it's between the Giants and the Cowboys, but I know he also is visiting Buffalo, I think, on Saturday, and he will be here in Dallas on Monday. So the conversations have gone like this. Mike McCarthy actually has talked to us openly, as have most of the players, and said, we're interested in him. We're interested in the dynamic effect that he could have both physically and they actually think that he could help emotionally. He could send a little verve through this team. Dion did. Charles did in his own cranky way. Uh, those are the things that Jerry's always thinking about because that's when the three Super Bowls came. But McCarthy said it is, quote, time to get him in front of us. Steven, I think, to be honest with you, is the one who, if you got him in a closed room, would say, I don't think so. I don't think I want to pay a prorated part of $20 million for this year, whatever that would be, and then $20 million next year and $20 million the year after, after a 30-year-old who'll be 31 next year coming off of back-to-back -back ACL injuries. Um, I don't think it's worth the risk. And doesn't it also, I think, in parentheses, look bad on us that Amari Cooper has had some really good games with terrible quarterbacking in Cleveland. What did we do? Why did we ever do what we did? I, that doesn't make any difference. I remember so many times talking to Bill Parcells about first round picks and second round picks and third round picks. And he would say to me, he would pull this out of his back pocket. I got this. The first time I, I was like, Okie doke, what's that? He's like, a list of players that are free agents around the league that Will McClay for the Cowboys now knows all about. We have the numbers to their agents. We know where they are. We know what they're doing. And these guys can't wait to get back in the league. So the bottom line is it doesn't necessarily matter who they are. There's room on a 53-man roster plus 13 on a practice squad for a lot of different players who potentially can plug into your team in different ways. If it's nothing more than special teams, if it's nothing more than somebody who's able to make a fair catch on punts where he won't drop the ball, the Chiefs are having problems with that. No one can catch a fair fair catch on a punt. You don't need to return a punt in Kansas City. Hold your hand up, catch the damn thing, and bring 15 out. But they've struggled with that. So there are all different reasons that teams have players on them and that there are values for, Parcells used to say, first-round picks get easily three years. They just do, probably four. Second-round and third-round picks, a couple, maybe two or three. But sometimes there are guys who just don't want to play. I remember having that conversation with him and being, I, I looked at him and he's like, I'm telling you, I said it right. Half of these guys don't want to play. I thought that was the most astounding number I had ever heard. And his point was, as he raised his finger, they want to play on Sunday. They like the star and the helmet and the television and the accolades and the money, 
but they don't want to hear from me on Monday when they were shitty. They don't want to, on their off day and Tuesday, come in and get a new lesson on that they're not eating something right or they need a lift on a day off. And they don't want Wednesdays on film sessions when they get barked at and yelled at. And half of the guys don't want to play. So when you know you're up against that, you got 53 active guys you take with you on the road or you take to AT&T Stadium, it, it's a fine line between winning games. It's a finer line between winning regular season games and then being ready for the teams that are actually schooled really well and are all of a like mind when you get to the playoffs. And we saw that last year in the San Francisco game. This was a pretty darn good Cowboy team last year. It really was. Talent-wise, I think you would all say we were better than San Francisco. But they weren't more ready. They weren't better coached. They weren't more on the same page. They weren't experts at doing what they do. San Francisco was. The Cowboys weren't. I believe this year they are. I believe they are this year. So back to Odell. As far as I can see from Jerry Jones, McCarthy absolutely is in. Uh, and I don't think anybody's hurting anybody's feelings. Dak has made it a point to say, I'm going in the wide receiver room every day and focusing on those guys. I like my guys. Good for him. It's exactly what he should say. But the bottom line is when these guys get a whiff that they can win something, winning in the playoffs and potentially getting to a Super Bowl is life-changing for everyone who's on that team. Winning playoff games is life-changing. And all of these guys have opportunities on winning teams to get the next contract, whether it be here or somewhere else. Make it to a Pro Bowl. Some of that's kind of a joke, but making it to a Pro Bowl gives you incentivized money and an opportunity, again, to sign with other teams, okay? You remember Larry Brown catching, was it two or three interceptions in the last Super Bowl in 1995 against the Steelers? Two of them, I think he just threw them, O'Donnell threw them right to him. Larry Brown turned that into about a $25 million payday in Oakland the very next year. It isn't always exactly what it seems, Playoff games, winning teams, guys that are viewed as winners or who've been around winning organizations get paid, play football on Sunday, and have a great life. They, they just do. And so this team is headed in that direction for all the right reasons. Plenty of leaders. I don't know what's going to happen with the head coach, and I don't even really want to think about that, right? Um, is the old Saints coach coming here? Are we desperate to keep Dan Quinn, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera? The bottom line is, each one of these years is, is put into a vacuum, and I'm reminded by players every single year, it, last year doesn't matter. If we won two and we're going to motivate ourselves because we only won two, okay. If we won 13, if we won a Super Bowl, it doesn't make any difference. Now, I would push back on that. If you win a Super Bowl, you did everything right. You now know what it takes. You're holding a trophy. You'll always be a world champion. But, but the point is last year doesn't matter about this year. So, therefore, whatever's happening this year only matters this year. Whoever's going to coach this team next year, honestly, is going to be fortunate. There are a lot of really good players on this football team. A lot of guys that are so good that they are just adopted leaders, right? Micah Parsons is a leader. There's no way he's not going to be. He's one of the five best players in the league. Diggs is a leader. He had 11 interceptions last year. That hadn't happened since Everson Walls' rookie season. I mean, those are big-time players. And what happens is more big-time players get better around them. Demarcus Lawrence is a really good player. There's no doubt about that. This Cowboys team is loaded. And the great thing is Dan Quinn built this defense specifically so it would be diverse. He's got corners, safeties, and linebackers that are all, in many ways, interchangeable. So fast, so long, so capable of putting their eyes on the ball, reading defenses. They're all studying. They're all together. And they're all completely bought into Dan Quinn and what he's going to do for their lives, not to mention this team. So 
this is great. And this season is what it is. And you need to make sure you embrace it. Uh, as a young man, I often got caught in. It's okay if we don't win this year because we'll win next year. Because this one. What you learn is these primo seasons where everyone's on the same page and you get lucky with injuries. And to this point, haven't they been lucky? Wasn't it absolutely almost perfect that Dak Prescott got hurt in week one and that the team was able to go, what, four and one in his absence? Wasn't that almost perfect? Because it gave Dak not only a chance to heal his hand, but to get mentally better about what was going on with his ankles and with his calf and with everything below the waist that was terrifying him. You could see it. He wouldn't say it, but you could see it. It was visible. He did not want to get hurt. He did not want to run into traffic. He did not want guys coming at him from both sides around his legs. He now is 100% over that. So that injury may have been as fortuitous as it could have possibly been that Dak Prescott gets to come back in the middle of the season when things are going well, when the running game is going well, when the defense is good, and then sort of incrementally work his way up, which is what he's doing. I'm telling you, in a weak NFC where I don't think Tom Brady's the guy, where I do not believe for a minute in anything the Minnesota Vikings can do with Kirk Cousins, a quarterback, and where I still think I want to keep that Philadelphia quarterback in front of me and make him throw the ball to those receivers. And he's got some good receivers. But damn well, he's staying there. Okay, and we're going to see that December 24th. So other than that, you know, who scares me? The team that beat us last year. If San Francisco is healthy, they got those players, and now they added Christian McCaffrey, and they got that coaching staff. And that quarterback is just above average, but he knows that offense backwards and forwards. And other than missing key throws, Garoppolo is the right guy for that team. So that's the scariest team for me on the schedule as we look forward. But again, here we are. It's Indianapolis, okay? Nothing's a gimme, but this team certainly should beat Indianapolis at home. They certainly can't lose to Houston with whoever's playing quarterback for that team. And after that, Jacksonville is a young team that isn't ready for this as long as the Cowboys are ready for them. You look up and you're 11-3. and three? Okay, now we're talking. Now we're still talking about seeding because guess what? It's going to be December 24th and the fucking Eagles are coming to town and that prick head coach has set his own guys up to get their ass beat. I got my ass beat in high school once. I was arrogant. I was too cocky. He was too big. And in a parking lot, I took it upside the head. And you know what? I deserved it. I deserved it. You cannot be an asshole to people around you that are far superior to you physically, emotionally, mentally, and in every other way and get, get away with it. So Philadelphia's got it coming on December 24th. When that happens, we're going to really see something here. We will really see something. So Mike McCarthy's the right guy for the job. Dan Quinn's the right guy for the job. Dak is ascending. The wide receiver group is getting bigger. And I'll finish the Odell story now. Jerry Jones is fixated on one thing, and I don't know how they are going to prove it to themselves because he's not coming here and, and running shuttles. He's not. He's not getting out his cleats. But Jerry seems to be more and more satisfied with the video that he has gotten from all of Odell's workouts in the last two months, from uh, someone standing holding a stopwatch, et cetera, et cetera, from watching cuts. And then he's talking to the, to the staff, to Britt Brown and everybody else who gets everybody ready physically on this team. And it seems that they are getting ready to settle on the fact that Odell, if he signs next week, will be ready two weeks after that and will play the last three or four games of the year to completely learn the system, to get more time with Dak. And by the time the playoffs roll around, you will have Odell Beckham Jr. at, what? A, let's say, 80% of what he was when he was in New York catching one-handed passes backwards on his head. That will add a lot to this team. And Jerry, I think, is to the point where he's almost convinced his only stipulation is Odell has to give me what I want this year. And I've just made the point to you. This is the year. Five weeks ago, Stephen Jones said, we are on a championship path. I was like, are you? Well, 
Maybe they are. And if that is the way you're looking at this team, then Odell Beckham doesn't have to be on this team. As I said two or three weeks ago, I thought he had to be on this team. I don't think that anymore, but I think it would be a magnificent addition. So if he's ready, if the staff, based on what they're watching and seeing and the conversations they're having, deem that Odell Beckham can play the last two games of the season and give them his best in the playoffs, the Cowboys are in and they will suck on probably $20 million a year next year and the year after. It's going to be a multi-year deal because he's got three or four teams that are interested. Buffalo is willing to pay. I understand Kansas City is lurking in the background too, especially if that number comes down a little bit. And we know certainly the Giants are. So the decision for him, it seems, comes back to who has the best chance to win a Super Bowl, right? Certainly Buffalo is up there, but they have been struggling. Um, they're not as good as Kansas City is right now, but they're awfully good. Uh, but that's a cold weather place, and he knows New York is as well. And we have always heard from his friends in his circle, warm weather is what he prefers. It's the reason he went to L.A. to play for the Rams last year. This is pretty much a warm weather place. And in December and January, we just closed the roof, and this is a pretty nice place to live, and there's no state taxes. So Odell Beckham, in my feeling, even though Stephen doesn't want to do this contract, my opinion, Jerry Jones does, and we know who wins that conversation. It's jargon. It's rhetoric. It's what everybody says all the time. But right now, everything is in front of them that they want to accomplish. And the great news is it is in their control. So as we head into the middle of the holidays, which I absolutely love so much, you're praying for continued success, Dak's con continued as ascension, his wide receiver group to get better and better, health of both of those running backs, and that offensive line, and health, and health, and health. And then also stay lucky. And unfortunately, because it's the NFL, you're going to have to find out every week who your um, umpiring and officiating crews are. And you're going to have to study. And this is what they do. You're going to have to study. When you see that this officiating crew calls holding eight times a game, you're going to have to get your guys together and say, this hand cannot be even barely on the outside, et cetera, et cetera. And then last week, four false start penalties. There's nothing there. Bill Par Parcells used to say to those when we would ask him about them, I don't coach penalties. Well, <laughs> I love the arrogance of that. But the bottom line is, if your guys have four false starts for no particular reason, there's a discipline problem. There's something going on there, and you're the head coach. So those things have to get cleaned up. Self-inflicted penalties have to continue to come down. And turnovers. Dak's got to continue to stay aggressive and stop throwing interceptions. But it's all in front of them. It is all in front of them. And it is going to be a fantastic holiday for you and I and the Dallas Cowboys. I'm having so much fun doing this. Thanks for joining me again with Off of the Helmets. I'm happy to be doing it. DSP Media is a breath of fresh air for me. So much talent here. And I am really happy to be doing this. So twice a week, I'll do this for you, uh, Wednesdays and Fridays. And then I will be at the Star posting uh, as many updates as I can throughout the week. So keep following me if you would. I'm Brady Tinker. Happy holidays. It's DFW Sports Beat right here, and it's off of the helmets, as always, courtesy of DSP Media and DSP Media Productions. I'll see you next Wednesday. Enjoy the weekend. Cowboys, Colts. Cowboys win. Cowboys win. Grab the under.